Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. started a sermon a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the title of it is a, a Reason for Hope, and we are in 1 Peter. If you've got your Bibles want to turn there or bring it up on your phone, or they're going to have it on the screen for you, uh, but I think in this day and time, it's probably one of the greatest needs that we have in this world is to have a reason for hope. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, we're beginning in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised uh, Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Say, great expectation. Okay, and not talking about the novel by Charles Dickens. We have great expectations. Why? Because there's something beyond this life. And he says we have that great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. How many of you want to get an inheritance someday? Amen. Amen. Well, it doesn't matter if if your kinfolk are princes or paupers. If we are a born-again believer, we have a great priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change it's not going to go up and down with the stock market amen it's going to stay the same and it's going to be good it does it's out of reach of change and decay and through your faith god is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see there's coming there's a payday coming amen they should have got more than a couple of amens there's a payday coming there's a payday someday. That's one of the things that I, I, I tell people often. You know, some people say, well, I'll wait and I'll make a, make a commitment to Christ in my last moment. Well, you don't know when that moment's going to be. But grant this, there's going to be a payday, and we better be ready for it. Amen? You better make a decision while you can. So, in verse 6, be truly glad. Practice it. Just smile. Everybody, just smile. Okay? As I've said before, sometimes we as born-again believers, we look like we were weaned on lemons and baptized in vinegar. And, and, and we need, if all the people on the face of this earth that ought to have some joy and be able to flash a little smile every now and then, it ought to be us. Amen? Now, there's some days you don't feel like smiling, and there's some days when things... Uh, how many of you have figured out somewhere down the line, life sometimes is tough? Three, four, five, five people. Five people have figured out life is tough. Come on, go with me this morning. I know you're full of turkey and it's got tryptophan in it. It makes us sleepy. But come on, how many of you have figured out somewhere down the line, life is tough? Yes. If you haven't yet, I just burst your bubble big time. And this week may be a bad one because you realize sometimes life gets tough. But here's the thing. we got to endure. And that's what he tells us to do. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure many trials for a little while. Hey, this, this thing is short. Do you realize that this earth is about 6,000 years old? 
Amen? If we believe the biblical account. And guess what? Eternity lies in front of us. How long is eternity? It's a long time. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, a long time. More than we can count. And James says it this way. In fact, is I was talking to my dad about it. James says it's a vapor. This life is nothing but a vapor. I, I was talking to him about it. I said, it's like a morning fog in southeast Texas. Amen. It can be here one minute, and the next minute it's gone. Life is short, but realize that if we're going to endure, that there's something waiting for us. And we ought to have that wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure those trials for a little while. Verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests pure and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Amen. Think about that for a minute. Verse 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their message was not for themselves but for you. Think about that for a minute. If you got a message from God about glorious, gracious salvation, free for the taking, the free gift of God to anyone who would receive it, and yet you couldn't taste it. They knew it was for somebody else, for somebody in the future. You think about that for a minute, how much they would have longed for that. The, in other places in the New Testament, it tells us that the prophets of old longed to see such a time as this when they would be able to freely receive what God had for them, and we take it for granted. God help us if we ever take that for granted. These poor guys that wrote in the Old Testament could, could see it afar off. They could see it and, and, and express it into words, and yet they couldn't experience it. And we hear it all the time, and we've grown deaf to that clarion call, Jesus saves. We need to be all about it. Folks, I, I, I sense in my spirit when we look at the times that we live in, it's drawing close. And we got to be about it. We got to get busy expressing that, that free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. They were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. And now, this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly away, uh, watching these things happen. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll get into the message. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us that. Those prophets of old that could see it and express it. Lord, thank you for letting them be able to write it down. Even though they didn't understand it completely. Lord, that they would take the time through the unction of the Holy Spirit to write it down for us today. 
And Lord, again, as we, uh, as we share in your word, as we look at it closely, would you open our hearts to receive everything that you've got for us? Would you work in us and through us and for us and around us to accomplish your perfect will? Lord, that I, as I pray so often that you would make us into something that looks a lot less like us and something that looks a whole lot more like your son. Lord, we're lacking. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are sick. Some of us are, are maybe, maybe today and this weekend was the greatest thing that ever happened, but whatever it is, Lord, would you meet us at the point of that need? Would you? Let us be able to hear the sound of sandaled feet walking in this place. Would you move in and out of every row and up and down every aisle and touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that, wasn't, that didn't head in the direction I, <laughs> I was planning. I got uh, kind of emotional there. As I started this message a couple of weeks ago, we're living in an odd day and time. I think history is going to prove out that we, we are living on the beginning of probably the greatest shift and the greatest change that's happened to mankind in probably 500 years. As we look at, as I shared with you maybe two months ago in the, in the message that I talked about how uh, we need to realize what's important, and we talked about the internet and phones and how much they had changed life on this planet. I think history is going to prove out that it's, it is truly the biggest change that's happened in several hundred years anyway. You think about how things happened prior to 100 years ago, how they happened 100 years before that. Not much change. There's been a few things. But by and large, probably the biggest shift and the biggest change and the biggest uh, uh, mental change in how we presume things. Our world's gotten awfully small. I mean, we're able to access things uh, via the internet and our phones just in a moment's notice, and, and it's changed the way life happens. And it's, uh, I think, eventually, as I said then, uh, people that lived in the, in the Roman Empire didn't say, aha, this is going to be an important time in history. It was just they were living life. It was happening in front of them. I think eventually, if the Lord should tarry, that eventually we're going to be seen to be living in probably the greatest change that ever happened to mankind. And with that, it's brought about a change. We're in postmodern society. In other words, the norms of old have not been accepted readily. Uh, everybody's inquisitive, which is not necessarily a wrong thing, but it's, uh, nobody accepts the foundation that everything has been built on. They question everything. And one of those things has caused people, in my opinion, to lose hope. Uh, our generation that is coming up right now is facing things that we never faced as kids uh, and young adults. They're facing uh, technology differences. They're facing the difference in the way uh, things are perceived, the difference in even how Christianity is received and perceived in the world. And uh, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, this, this millennial generation that's coming into adulthood now is becoming known as the suicide generation. 
by far about a 25% increase to any prior generation as far as committing suicide. Why? Because there's no hope. There's nothing that they can look to unless they have been introduced to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is no hope. This is it. You're born, you live, you die. That's it. Now, there's not much hope in that. I talked about it two weeks ago when I started this message. Uh, I would be sorely disappointed if this is as good as it gets. Amen. Miss Emma, two floods in the last two years. This would be bad if this is as good as it gets. Amen. <laughs> and so I think looking at, at Peter here, and Peter's writing to a church who has suffered some great persecution. They're going through a time, and during this time, whenever it's written, there's been lots of persecution about being a Christian. Uh, they're, they're being uh, taken advantage of. They're, they're kind of being plotted against in the, in the world circumstance. And so they're going through some things. And he tells them, even though you may have to go through some trials for a short time, hang on. Because there are some good things that are coming. Again, if this is all there is, I'll be sorely disappointed. But it tells us that we have things waiting for us. Our hope is what is important to us. Our hope, according to uh, Hebrews chapter 6, is the anchor of our soul. Without hope, we're just drifting through life. Without hope, we don't have any sense of, of what's coming. We're just taking day by day by day by day, and we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it. But hope gives us the ability to be able to see beyond it gives us the ability to, even though we can't tangibly hold something, it gives us the ability to be able to almost taste it afar off. As I have shared with you, I used to hear people say a long time ago, man, I'm homesick for heaven. You don't know if you're homesick for heaven is what I would say. You've never been there. Amen? Anybody ever think that? But anymore, I'm, I'm beginning to understand what they were saying. It's, it tells us that Abraham saw himself as a, as a stranger and a pilgrim in a land that was not his home, even though God had given it to him. The promised land belonged to him, and it says that he began to look for a city whose builder and maker was God, and he knew it wasn't here. Somebody say amen. And the thing that we've got to do is allow hope to arise in us. And put that anchor in our soul to know that regardless of what happens here, regardless of what good times or bad times we might face, there's something waiting for us that's awfully good. Amen? You can have the best of times and there's something better. You can have the worst of times and you can realize, hey, there's something great waiting for me on the other side. As I, I was telling my wife uh, a little while ago, I, I understand the importance of this day and time in which we live, and, and I want to share the gospel, but I understand why John said, even so, Lord, come quickly, because I'm ready to see it. I, I'm, I'm getting an appetite for, for, for seeing that place that I've never been, and, and I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but when we read about what it looks like, if there are streets of gold and walls of uh, gates of pearl and walls of gems and diamonds and everything you can imagine, and, and I sometimes, I, I, in my mind's eye, I try to imagine what it's like, and I realize it falls so short of what it really is. And I say, Hallelujah. I'm going to be so anxious one day to see that. Now, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being negative here. I, I don't, you know, it's like I've said before, I've got my ticket ready. I don't necessarily want to go today, but I've got my ticket punched. How do I know that? Because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. 
And, and if we will allow him to let the Holy Spirit energize us and give us that hope that's required, then one day we're going to see it. So, let me get back to my outline <laughs> and get back to this message, or we won't get it finished before Christmas. Uh, he says, uh, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And that tells us that we, number one, have a conquering Savior. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. They belong to him. And that means, uh, it tells us in other places, because that spirit dwells within us, the same spirit that rose him up from the grave dwells within us, and that means that we will get to share in that same resurrection one day. Whether we go by way of the grave or whether we go by way of the rapture, it does not matter. Amen? What matters is we put our faith and our trust in him, and we know where we're headed. In fact, is Paul writes in another place, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I, don't want, you to, I want you to know what's going to happen. Don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand what's going to happen. Realize calling somebody ignorant doesn't mean something bad. There's a difference between ignorant and being stupid. Ignorant is you just don't know. Okay, you just don't know. You're ignorant of a particular. How many of you know all about nuclear physics? Okay, me either. So I'm ignorant of nuclear physics for the most part. And so that doesn't mean I'm stupid. It just means I'm ignorant. Being ignorant means you don't know something. Being stupid means you don't know that you don't know. Amen? So if I started, if I popped my suspenders and started talking about nuclear physics, let me tell you how this works. That would be stupid, <laughs> especially if they were going to build a nuclear reactor according to my plans. Amen? So the difference between being ignorant and stupid. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand what's going to happen to believers when they die so that you don't grieve like others who have no hope. Death for a believer is nothing but a transition phase. Suddenly we're here and then we're not, but we're somewhere. Where are we? If we are a believer, then we are with Christ. Paul says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so he says, I want you to understand what's going on. I want you to not be ignorant of this. I want you not to grieve like others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again to life, then if we believe when Jesus returns, God will bring with him those believers who have already died. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall, shall come together and meet the Lord. For the Lord himself is going to descend with a shout with the voice of the archangel. And then, guess what's going to happen? The dead in Christ are going to rise. Those who have already gone on are going to rise to meet him in the air. And then... We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If that don't get you, get your fire going, your wood's wet. Amen. Because here's the thing. That, that's part of our hope. The Bible refers to that as our blessed hope. And that is that one day, because we have the same spirit living within us, that we too, like Jesus, are going to experience that same resurrection. Now, does it matter whether we go by way of the grave or whether it's by way of rapture? No, it does not. 
There was a little lady, this is back in the day with, when steamers, you know, steamships were the big thing, the big way of traveling. She was an elderly lady, and her husband never liked to travel, so she just didn't. Well, whenever he passed on, he left her specific instructions with a certain amount of money put away. I never liked to travel, and you didn't travel because of me. So I want you to see the world. And he left her a, a, a big amount of money to go and do this, so she decides she's going to take her first trip. And she gets on this steamer, and they, they pull out from the, from the docks, and, and here they go. And they get, you know, she's standing there on the deck watching the shore disappear in the distance. And, well, about that time she starts looking, that's a long way. And I've never been on a ship before. This is just kind of makes me uneasy. So she stopped one of the ship's uh, stewards, and she said, uh, Sir, could, could you tell me, are we going to make it through? I just want a little reassurance here. Ma'am, I don't know. I'm busy. He said, maybe you could talk to the, to the assistant captain. She went to the assistant captain. I just want to know if we're going to make it through. Well, I don't know, ma'am. You need to talk to the captain about that. Well, this is not what she's wanting to hear. So by now, she's kind of on pins and needles. And she finally, they, they bring her to the captain, and He's in his, in his quarters there, and he motions for her to come on in. She said, no, that's fine. I just got one question for you. No, come on in. Motions for her to sit down. No, I don't have to sit down. I just got one question for you. He motions for her to sit down again. What is your question? I just want to know if we're going to make it through. And he said, well, ma'am, he said, you hear that boiler ticking away in there? Yeah, he said, it's, it's, it's carried many a head of steam. And he said, we run quite a bit of pressure of steam. And he said, one day, there's going to be a joint give loose. And he said, uh, if that joint breaks loose and it's a big enough break, he said, uh, we're going up. Not what she wanted to hear. So she starts to get up out of the chair, and, and he says, no, 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 I'm not done, sit down. He said, you see those rivets in that wall there? Yeah, see those rivets? He said, they have weathered many a storm. And he said, sometimes when we're in a storm and it's big enough, he said, a few rivets will pop. And he said, if enough of those rivets pop, we're going down. Are you kidding? <laughs> Not what she wanted to hear. And so she, then she's just looking all worried, kind of pale from, from this news that she has learned. And so she starts to get up and he said, ma'am, one more thing before you leave. She said, what is it now? And he said, well, he said, let me tell you one thing. He said, I'm the captain of this ship. And short of us going up or short of us going down, he said, we are surely going through. Amen. And with Jesus as the captain of our salvation, if we have put ourselves on that good old gospel ship, if we have put our faith and our trust in him, then guess what? Whether we go down by way of the grave or whether we go up by way of the rapture, it doesn't matter. Guess what? We are surely going through. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. So because Jesus rose from the dead, we, that is one of our biggest sources of hope. Again, Paul calls it our blessed hope. Even in the worst of times, when you think, I don't know if I can take anymore. I don't know if I can handle this. Guess what? Realize that this life is very, very short. And there is something great waiting on the other side. And if we have put our trust in him, we have a conquering Savior. Somebody say amen. Number two, we have a certain inheritance. First Peter chapter 3 again, we continue on in, the, in reading our, our scripture again. He says, now we live with great expectation. 
And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept, that's reserved. How many of you have ever made a reservation somewhere? I went and ate at a restaurant one time, and somebody said, do you have reservations? But yes, I'm going anyway. <laughs> if you have ever made a reservation, and you have gone, how many of you have, have gone there, and, and maybe there was a big line out the door, but you had bothered to make a reservation, and you walked up there and said, Reed, party of two, or whatever your name is, maybe Reed wouldn't work for you. <laughs> Reed, party of two. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Reed, come on there right this way. And you just get to walk right by all those people who are waiting in line. Why? Because you bothered to think ahead. You bothered to plan ahead. And, and so what he tells us is, is that we have that waiting for us, that, that inheritance, an inheritance that is kept reserved for you in heaven, not for somebody else. Your name is already on it. There is a Post-it note with your name on it that's, that's been put on top of your inheritance right there in heaven. Amen? Jesus in John chapter 15, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. As I have shared with you many times, it would change it all if he said, I go to prepare a place for y'all. Number two, I mean, it, it means two things. Number one, that Jesus was from the south. And, and, and the second thing is, it would be a group thing. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Peter says there is an inheritance already waiting in heaven for you. To me, that changes everything. I mean, I mean, Carl, he's got one with Carl's name on it. It's not got my name. There's one with my name on it, but it's not yours. You've got yours, and it's not mine. You think about that for a second. He knows exactly what you like. He knows exactly what turns your crank. He knows what, I mean, Zach's, Zach's got a, a reward waiting for him in heaven, and I'll guarantee you it's got some kind of musical instrument all about it. Amen? For me, it would be like, man, this pretty. Show is pretty. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But Zach, I'm telling you, when I saw him, how many of you were here the day he played a Cajon? How many of you know what a Cajon is? Nobody? A Cajon's a box. That's, that's, that's what it is. Best way to describe it is a box, and every side of it makes a little different tone drum-wise, and I think some of them got some strings involved. And Zach sat up here on this box and played that box and played it really well. And I told him right then, at the end of that service, I said, you have impressed me. You've got more music ability than anybody I know because you can play a box. <laughs> and I, I mean, so he knows what turns his crank. He knows what turns my crank. He knows there's got to be a set of golf clubs, and he knows that there's got to be a gun, a rifle, a pistol, something up there, and, and I think he's already laid out that golf course that's going to be so nice up there in heaven. Some, somebody needs to say amen at that one. James is not here. Lisa, you can say amen for James. See, he knows, he knows what you like. And so if it's a reward and it's waiting for you, guess what? It is specific to you. That gets my appetite going that much more. Don't you know it's going to be a glorious, glorious day when we get up there? And I mean, this all will be 10,000 years before we ever look at our pile of stuff. Because I, I don't, Angie asked me one time, she said, what are you going to do when you see Jesus? I said, I think I'm going to give him a bear hug because he has done so much for me. And then I stopped. 
So maybe I'll just fall down and worship at his feet. And see, I don't know about you, but there ain't going to be no time. There's not going to be watches in heaven. Amen. And it might be 10,000 years before I decide to jump up and give him that bear hug after I worship at his feet for a while. And then it might be 10,000 more years before I go and look at that pile of stuff that he has made ready for me. But however long it is, it ain't going to matter. He's already got it ready. He's already got your reservation. And he's just waiting on you to arrive. To say, Mark Mitchell, here I am. Well, woo, let me show you what you got. <laughs> and I'm telling y'all, it's going to be awesome. We have that certain inheritance. It is incorruptible. It's preserved. It's not going to rise. No matter how much time we spend on this earth, it's not going to go away. It's not going to spoil. It's reserved and preserved for us. It is undefiled. It's pure. It is not fading. It's perfect. And it is kept for you. That's personal kept for you Matthew chapter 6 Jesus said this and it makes some so much more sense when you read it in the light of what Peter wrote here he said lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth eats it and rust corrupts it where thieves break in and steal see all those things that we worry about on this earth I got something I got I got, I got to oil it up because it'll rust or I got to hide it because somebody loved to break in and steal it or if I hide it and it's not a good, good spot, some, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mold or mildew or whatever. There ain't none of that in heaven. So he said, don't lay up treasures on this earth for yourself where moth and rust does corrupt, where thieves break into steel. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor corrupt uh, will get to it, nor where thieves break in and steal it. It is already there for you. already got your name on it, and it's waiting. Somebody say amen. Number three, we have a comforting promise. So we've got, a, we've got a conquering Savior. We've got a certain inheritance, and we have a comforting promise. So Peter writes this, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so truly be glad. There is, no wonderful, there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Again, we found out life is tough. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. See, here's the thing. If we realize that that promise is there, it comforts us that no matter what trials we have to go through, there are going to be trials. That's not the, the social gospel that we hear these days. The social gospel that's being preached today is if you'll just put your faith in Christ, you'll never experience another tough day in your life. It hadn't worked that way for me and for a whole lot of y'all. Sometimes things happen, it's out of our control. Sometimes, it, sometimes we make a mess ourselves. Amen? You ever, you ever mess up and you knew at the time, I mean, as soon as it happened, man, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have whatever. 
And whether it's a, make, a mess of our own making or it's a mess that somebody else made for us, it does not matter. It hurts. I've used this analogy before. When I was early on in, in our marriage, I built a house and I built it all myself. It took me 11 months from beginning to end. And I mean, just about every nail in there I drove, I, I wired it, I plumbed it all myself. So I, I was working a, a, a plant work. So I would, just every minute that I was off, I'd be over there working. There was one day I liked one board and I, I, I was ready to go. And I thought, I'll go ahead and nail up this one board. And so I I draw back, and I'm in a hurry, and I'm rushing myself, and I just drew back, and I mean, missed the nail head and hit my thumb square on. And I said, oh, gosh, golly, gee. <laughs> that smarted. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, I don't think I said anything ugly because I was grunting too much. Oh, 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 oh. And I mean, I got down to the floor rolling. I absolutely I lost the nail on that thumb over it. And I mean, I just absolutely. Now, how many know that if I'd have been holding the nail and Angie had a drew back and, and driven the driven tried to drive the nail hit my thumb, that it would have smarted a whole lot less. My proof in the pudding. It doesn't matter whether somebody else does it or you do it to yourself. Hurt is hurt, pain is pain. And so here's the thing: sometimes we we maybe we get to thinking, well, I'm out of the will of God because I, I'm going through hurt or I'm suffering pain or I'm. This situation's not what I'd like for it to be. But, but Jesus said this, and th this has been something that's gotten me through some tough times. In Psalm 34, he says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, how many of you say, boy, that's hopeful. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not the, there's not a period at the end of that. There's an and and a but, actually. A but, and a but is a, a conjunction that joins two th separate thoughts together, usually the antithesis of the beginning thought, and it erases the first part of that. So Psalm 34 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. So if you let that conjunction do what a conjunction that is a but does, it erases the first part of that, and all you're left with is the last part. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. So what are you left with? The Lord's going to deliver you out of it all. Amen? In John chapter 16, Jesus says this, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Another one of those hopeful verses. Thankfully, there's not a period there. It's a but. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So my question to leave you on this morning is, how big is your butt? Oh, some of you just took that and went totally in the wrong direction with it. How big is your butt? Because see, what we focus on in many of the afflictions in this world and we'll have tribulation. Woe, afflictions and tribulation. Woe is me. How can I get through this? How big is your butt? If your butt's big enough, then guess what? The Lord's going to deliver you out of them all and be of good cheer because I have overcome this world. Amen? That is a reason for hope. Every head bowed.
every eye closed. Father, we thank you for giving us hope. Without it, we'd be lost and undone. And Lord, we'd be drifting, as, uh, as I talked about it early in the message. The book of Hebrews tells us that hope is the anchor for our soul. We'd just be adrift in this sea of life, and we'd be without, and we'd be undone. We wouldn't have any direction. We wouldn't know where we're headed. We would think that this is the best it is. But, Lord, you have given us hope. And I hope, Lord, that you have given us a big butt because we need it. Lord, yes, many are the afflictions. Yes, many are the tribulations, but you have delivered us out of them all. And you have given us peace because you have overcome this world. Thank you for the victory. And Lord, we may not see the victory 100% on this side of things, but Lord, there is something waiting for us, and we thank you for it in advance. 